This is Splice. Alan has hit the record button. So everything okay. is on the record. I want okay, to say hello to everybody else on the chat. Neo, Batavia, and Karen Vera. Hello, Mittel. Is, did I say it right? Mittel? Yeah, so it's 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 pronounced as Mittel. Yeah. So, um, but I've gotten used to uh, a ton of pronunciations for my <laughs> name. I mean, now I shorten it to like Myth, uh, like as in like mythology. So, but that's all right. Like my, my, oh. my school friends call me that, like my, like Myth. You should you should start spelling it with a Y instead of an I. <laughs> I think people. I should. I think I yeah. should now. <laughs> yeah, and plus, like uh, in chemistry, like I have some like science friends, and they're like, "Oh, you're like methyl," because then you have the methyl oh. orange compound. And, like, nice. Yeah, the Even CH4 better. group. I still remember. I also, I also hugely approve of your your little tagline: "Make clean and make bacon." I believe in bacon. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> honestly, okay, so that's a nerdy tagline. It was. Uh, back then, when I was uh, into like being a developer, uh, and it's it's a command you write when you make something, so it's make clean oh, no and make way. bacon. I think it's a trigger warning for Alan when you say something is clean and dirty. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you've got Should you've got go both co-founders in the. You've got the make clean is Alan, make bacon is me. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the food. Alan's all about the clean. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Best bacon ever. I mean, I used to be vegetarian, okay? I used to be vegetarian like until like four years ago. Right. So like a hardcore vegetarian, okay? I had no idea what a bacon was. I knew what it was, but I never had. This is so good. We're we're keeping all of this on tape, uh, just so you know. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Um, go ahead. Yeah. My, don't yeah. show it to my dad, okay? My dad doesn't know I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm non-vegetarian. <laughs> Let's jump right in, buddy, because we've already started, apparently. All right. <laughs> oh, we yeah, have cool. already started. Is everybody okay. ready? Okay. Here we go. Got it. Welcome to Splice Lo-Fi. It's August 27, 2021. This is our weekly live audio check-in with the Splice community to see what everyone's up to. And this is the 19th time we're doing this. We're recording this, and we'll put this out later as a podcast episode. Speak openly here. But if you want to be taken off the record, let us know and we'll edit you out in post. Otherwise, this is going out on the internet as it is right after this recording. You want to put yourself on mute if you're not speaking. Remember to unmute when you do speak because that I, is something I do all the time. This is a conversation, so we'd love to hear your questions. We'd love to hear your voice. Jump in whenever or type your question into the Telegram group chat and we'll ask it for you. Because this is also a podcast, you can hear this later. That's how recorded audio works. So if you can't stick around for the whole session, just look up the recording in your podcast app. And you should really stick around today because today we've got Mithil Agarwal uh, on the show. Mithil calls himself a uh, journalism student, but he produces and hosts a podcast called The Curiously Candid Show that sounds insanely professional. Let's talk compression. Maybe not. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about this show. Um, what, what got you started on this one? So... I started this, um, I mean, okay, let me put a little bit of background about myself. So I was not at all into journalism like a year ago. I had no idea how the industry worked. I had no idea about how journalists operate. I had no idea about what journalism is essentially. And it was a year ago and, uh, I, and I studied in Hong Kong. So a year ago we were having these 2019 protests and I mean, everyone must know about it. And so when we were having these protests, I had this idea that, you know what, I think 
everybody's just rampaging out there, be it whichever side it is. But I think it's time that some civil dialogue happens. And so the and at that time, you know, you also had the Black Lives Matter movement. Everything was happening around this world. And I had this drive or this motivation for some reason to go out and just start a debate or just start a conversation. And so I came up with this idea of a podcast and I went up to my professor and he's a journalism professor. He taught me another course, a uh, course on drugs, apparently. And um, so he's teaching me the, he's teaching me this course and I just shoot him an email randomly once in the morning. And I'm like, hey, professor, I'm just thinking of, you know, just doing this podcast on this thing. I just want to get different perspectives on, on, on important issues that we have because we don't really talk about them. And even in the media that we consume, usually it's it's not as nuanced as it should be or at least that's what I felt. And he was like, yeah, man, let's go. Let's do it. Let's crazy. And so I went into his office and um, he was very supportive. And he just asked me, just, just do it. And so I set off um, with my first source. I'm just like going all on these Instagram pages. And I'm like, okay, where do I find my first source? And I was, at that time, you also had Thailand uh, protests also going on. And I think they're still ongoing. Um, but it was September, or actually it was November and October. So at that point in time, I was like looking for somebody from Thailand who can speak to me very candidly about what's happening. And, and that's how I chose the name also. I was like, I'm curious about this and I want to be candid about it too as well. And without any prejudice, at least get the people to be candid about it. And so that's what we did. And uh, so I found my first source and um, I had an amazing interview. This was my first interview I was doing of like, I was taking somebody's interview for the first time. And when I did that, I think after the first interview, I just never stopped. I still haven't stopped. And it was something about a person confiding in me their raw feelings and the true emotions about what is happening at their home, what's happening with their families, what's happening in the place that they grew up in, and the responsibility that they have given me with their story. I think that responsibility, that burden is upon me now to make justice to their story, to put it out in a proper format, in a proper fashion. And that's how I went deeper and deeper with every single interview I did, every single story I put out. So I think I started with Thailand. I called the episode as Deconstructing Thailand. I still remember I shot so many emails to so many professors. I was like, hey, can you check this out? What do you think about it? And it was, I remember it was like a one and a half hour episode. And it was such a pain to edit because this was my first time, you know, using Adobe Audition. I was like, I'm not going to use Audacity. I'm going to use Adobe Audition. Okay, that's how the pros do it. So I'm not going to use Audacity or like GarageBand or something like that. And so I'm on the software Adobe Audition. I'm just like trying to edit like these two hours worth of like interviews into like a one single episode. And so we did that. And I have to like commend my university also at this point, like because they were really supportive. At least the professors were. And uh, my professor, I mean, shout out to him, like Kevin Seitz. I mean, he was amazing. He's still amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's how it began. And then I started doing more episodes, more stories, and they got shorter and shorter. And my professor always used to tell me that, okay, come on, do shorter stories, condense your entire information that you're putting on in one and a half hours. Nobody, nobody's going to listen to that. And I look at the stats and it's like the retention rate is like 10%, like first 10%. Uh, yeah, I'm actually based in uh, Hong Kong, yes. Um, so the retention was like 10%, and then I'm just like starting to condense the episodes and go deeper into the story. So I go from Thailand, I, I, I talk to somebody from Belarus as well. I think Belarus was my was my big story. And so I, I somehow found this one source. And, yeah, you uh, spoke to Sasha. Yeah, I spoke to Sasha, and she was a great interviewee. And uh, she 
I think that was the episode. So that was the, that would be, I think, the fifth or the fourth episode, the sixth episode. I don't remember exactly. But I think that was the point where I started to realize that this is it. Like this is where I belong. Because when I spoke to Sasha for two hours, I still remember that we were in our journalism studio in in in, in the university. So I, I studied in Hong Kong U, it's the University of Hong Kong, and I studied there. So uh, we were in, sitting in the studio and we were talking to Sasha, and Sasha is sharing such gruesome details that of things that has happened to her such gruesome details of of the regime of of the authorities and she's speaking in a, as if it's just fresh it's a fresh wound and i could feel the pain and that's when i was like this is a big responsibility that it's upon me that i need to make sure that i get the story right that i do sasha some justice and i felt like in audio you have the power to give that person some safety give that person some confidentiality without you know putting their face out or without putting the raw audio out you can always you know post it and um, make some additions to it so that it's difficult for the person like for the listener to identify who it's actually speaking and so yeah no i was just going to say that i think what's what really remarkable about all of this is that I'm I'm still struck by 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 some of the things that you said initially. You know that this was something you kind of stumbled on. Uh, this yeah. was a um, a little hobby project or something that you had in mind, and you just wanted to give it a go, and so you did. And then along the way, you got more into it, and you learned more about about not just the production side of things, but learning how to edit, how to how to tell a story, and how to bring that out. But all and and then on top of that. You now feel the responsibility of carrying these stories uh, in the in a right uh, in a rightful manner, and I think that's really quite incredible. Um, do you feel like at this point um, you're willing to call yourself a journalist? Do you think that's <laughs> that's qualified? I, I remember my professor once called me in his office, and then that was after the Sasha episode, and he was like, "Okay." No, even if even if you don't want to call yourself a journalist, but what you're doing is journalism, so you better start acting like one. And, uh, and and that was the point. I was like, okay, fine, okay. I need to now really be careful about what I do, the way I do it, and you know, I follow the ethics. So yeah, I think I, I'm confident to call myself a journalist. At least I am in the process of being a journalist, if not uh, already there. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So okay, you, you started up with personal responsibility, personal responsibility of carrying the story, and then now you're kind of walking into professional responsibility uh, as some as someone who's you know, who's got a, got a channel and who has a community, who has an audience. Yes, that would be correct. And I think the personal responsibility still is there. I So I am actually an international student here in Hong Kong. Okay, so I'm based in India. I've been, I was born there. I was raised there. And I came to Hong Kong like about two to three years ago. And I felt what I was seeing on the streets was out there was that, especially in Asia, if you look at it, you have... 70% of the audience, 70% of the viewership, of the listenership, of the money is automatically taken away by the big giants. So you have Google, Facebook, all these giants, right? The 20% is taken up by legacy media. So that includes things like you know, CNN, um, BBC, and all these uh, legacy media outlets. And then the rest of the 10% of the viewership, listenership is just left out to a dozens of you know, independent creators like us, startups, independent media outlets. And I realized that when it came to Hong Kong, I was noticing a lot of the noise, a lot of the information was just being disseminated by people who were not from Hong Kong or people who were just there for like half a year or like two months, three months. 
And I felt at that point that there's so much to Hong Kong's story. There's so much to the people who are in Hong Kong and they deserve better. And they, they really need to hear what other people have to say. And so at that point, um, I got in touch with this great journalist. I mean, she's a graduate from, our, um, from the journalism school in HQ as well. Her name is Tella. And so my professor introduced me to her and we spoke and we decided to do this series on Hong Kong. And we decided to do this, like, this five-part series. So we planned it out properly. Our production was like 10 times better than the, all the previous episodes because we really planned it out properly. So like I like to call this like interview style episodes versus production style episodes. So this one was like a heavily produced episodes, heavy on scripting, heavy on on SFX, like music and all these kind of things. Because back then I used to just, you know, record, cut, 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 and publish. That used to be my workflow. But then now it, it was like gonna go heavy on the production because and make it under 30 minutes. So under 30 minutes, whoever the person is listening to, they, they can understand what the person wants to say and what the whole story is about. So we decided to do this like this series on like five episodes. So get one person from the main stakeholders. We call them stakeholders internally, but that is a really bad word. I feel like there could be a better word for that. But so five stakeholders. A, yeah, that comes from like uh, corporate jargon, doesn't it? Yeah, but then I couldn't find like a proper word for it. But so five stakeholders or like five actors, just oh, five fine. groups within Hong Kong who were involved in this conflict very deeply. So we thought that, okay, so one is going to be the police. One is going to be the protesters. One is going to be these district councillors. So they were a big, it was a big wave of these small young politicians who had never run for elections suddenly coming up and winning with the lands that because they were, they were, they were, they were Democrats. And so we had like district councils and then we had journalists. I feel like journalists was playing such an important role in covering the entire protest and they, their side of the story also deserve to be out there because we had, we as media people, it's, it's, it's like a rule of thumb in journalism, right? So you can, if you are a journalist, the story should not be about you. You should be as far away from the story as possible. But then I felt like when it came to Hong Kong, I feel journalists were there. They were the ones at the front line. They were the ones getting pepper sprayed. They were the ones getting um, sometimes even beaten up, sometimes even shot in the eye. So things like these need to be told in the right way. And I feel like we could do it. And so, but then we thought that, of course, if you're doing these four people, there's the bigger side of it, or like I think the biggest side of it would be the government, or would be somebody who speaks for the government, or would be somebody who's affiliated with the government. So, luckily, so when we did these four episodes, not long ago, we interviewed Ronnie Tong. So he's uh, the advisor to the chief executive. So that was like our big first interview, like my personally big first interview, and everybody who's in the team. So we were like three of us. And he calls us to his office. We go there. I ask some of my professors, like, can I can I borrow some gear? I need to look professional, okay? I cannot just go in with like one mic. And uh, he's not going to take us seriously, okay? And he's a big-time politician. He's a senior counselor. He's a big lawyer as well, very reputed. So you were I borrowing like, some gear from someone? Yeah, so I was borrowing gear for some... Uh, I mean, I needed gear, okay? So we have a studio in the journalism school, which we used for the guests to come in so that they can sit down. You know, we have all the mics over there and everything so that it works out easy for us. The audio quality is good. But then I personally had just one mic myself, which I'm using right now. Okay. And so how do you go out to a big politician, somebody like Ronnie Tong, and then you look, make yourself look professional. So I was like, I need gear. We're going to dress up in formals and I also need some gear. And my and, and so Tella, so she was hosting, she was the one who was hosting the series. I was, 
I was just a pre I was on the production side on this one, and we were still in. I hope you have a photo at least. This sounds like, a, oh, <laughs> like I, quite oh, a circus. Yeah, I do have a photo. Oh, of course, I do have a photo of this. Like I was like, I was asking my other producer Chloe, and I was like, hey, make sure you get photos of us, okay? Like you need to. <laughs> you guys rocked up. You rocked up with two mics. Yeah, we got no, no, actually <laughs> not two one. mics. We got five mics because I was like, we cannot uh, bail out on this one, okay? We need to make sure we have backups of backups of backups. And so we had one mic, which I had mine. Then we had two road sets. Then we had one Zoom. And we had uh, another DJI mic also there. <laughs> and my phone also rolling just in case, you know, everything else failed. And I was like, okay, my phone audio will still be there. So I had like five backups on backups on backups. But then gladly my primary worked. <laughs> so, so, that, so that was a good part. Okay? And I was happy about that. Okay, we at least got the audio. But I'll, I'll tell you what. I think the biggest takeaway from my interview with Ronnie Tong was that he spoke to us for almost two hours. And for somebody who's as high level as he is, for somebody who's as busy as he is, I mean, I'm really thankful that he gave us that time and he gave us the opportunity to actually let us talk to him. And we are coming in from HKU. Okay, so HKU itself has gotten into a lot of controversy with the student union and things like that. And so he's sitting there allowing us to non-Chinese people, essentially, like tell us from Estonia, I'm, 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 I'm Indian. And then he's letting us to people like talk to him for like two hours and like debate with him and like discuss with him and things got a little bit heated in the middle but but he was still very calm and he was still explaining us the things and the perspectives but yeah i mean that was one of our big interviews and, and it was an amazing opportunity for us and also an experience for me personally to like actually go out and interview somebody as big as him and um, i just want to jump in here uh and ask yeah. you uh in fact you're you're saying us, but tell us about yeah. these other student journalists you're working with. Walk us right, through so, your team. Who are okay, so who the, are who are <laughs> all these people? Wait for my question. <laughs> okay, fine. Sorry, sorry. Okay. No, it's fine. I'm not used to be no. on the other side. All right. I'm the one who's like always like questioning. <laughs> See, this is what this is what they go through. This is what you put them through. No, but I'm excited to hear about your team. I read about them on your website. So when I was doing my first episode, right? I did my first episode solo. I build the, I build the, I, I decide on a name. I made the logo and all these things. And um, after my first episode, I decided, okay, I need a team on this. I, I think this can go a little bit bigger than it is already. Just one person doing interviews and editing the entire thing, right? And so I, with the help of some people, I got to know um, these amazing students. And um, we, we initially were like 10 people, but then some people came, some people left. So then ultimately when we were doing this uh, Hong Kong series, and so the only people that were free at that time were like three of us. So it's me and then Tela Ribane. She's from Estonia. And um, and then Chloe Ching. So she is a law student, but then she also it works in RTHK. So that's the radio television Hong Kong, the public broadcaster. So all three of us, I think the what kind of binds us all together is that we three want to be... Like Tela is a hardcore journalist. She really wants to be a journalist. She even studied journalism, right? But me and Chloe, like for us... We don't come from a journalism background per se, but our interests and what we strive for goes very much in the direction of media. And I think that's why we are still like sticking together. We are in a very good position to like now actually step back. Now I'm thinking of like rebranding the whole damn thing. Okay, um, a new name and then a new strategy. Uh, because it, I feel like in podcasting, the main problem for us, I think you must also resonate with this, is that since we're in Asia and us as Asians, we have this interesting problem that Asia as a podcast market, even though it's big, 
it's not that developed yet. When I say this because in Hong Kong also, and, and especially since if you do something which is solely in English, when you do something that is solely in English, you lose out on almost half of your entire population in the city. And Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, sounds like big names, but we are like how many people? Like a couple million people only. So not a lot. And we are always, you know, fighting on the same chunk. So the strategy is not only like rebrand it, see how we can go forward with it, make a new strategy with it. And that's, I think... And I asked her, I was, I asked Chloe, uh, this was like, yes, like day before yesterday. I was like, okay, why do you still stick around with me? Like, am I not an annoying producer? Like, <laughs> why? And she's like, oh, I bet on you because of your motivation and drive. And I was like, okay, thanks. But let me tell you this. Okay. You are a really That's a nice compliment. And yeah. Okay. I was, I was really humble. Okay. By then, but then I told her that I was, I'll be honest with you, Chloe, you're a real pain to work with. <laughs> And the reason being is not because... Wait, you... she said something nice to you and you're like, you're a real pain to work with. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm getting the main point, okay? I'm like, but the reason why you have pain in the work for pain to work with is because you focus on details. So Chloe is somebody who will go in a rabbit hole of details, okay? She will not be satisfied with the story even if I give her 180 days. She will find something to change until the last moment. So I have to give her deadlines. I have to be like, okay, we need to get this done by this date, whatever it is. I don't care. And so, and I was like, that's why I still stick around with you because I think you still go for the details and you will still, you will always stick to the mission. I may wander here and there looking for the bigger picture, but you will always stick to the mission. And I think that's what's most important for us together as a team. If she's I can the imagine one sitting next to yeah. you in the edit booth. <laughs> that's not going to be much fun for <laughs> anybody. <laughs> And so, you know, at, at, at this point, we're we're also conscious of, of the fact that we're we're kind of running over uh, very soon. Uh, this, this is really meant to be a short conversation. Okay. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to to, to quickly call for Q and A uh, if anyone's got questions for for Mithil. Um, obviously, this is this is fascinating stuff. Um, Karen, if you want to jump in, this is a good time. <laughs> yeah, sure. 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 Hi, Mithil. I'm also based in, here in Hong Kong, so all this. Oh, amazing. Um, this discussion is really fascinating and i it's it's hard to have a question for you because you know uh you have all this intention and forward momentum uh with you going for you and you know half of it is like you know oh youth i miss you so but the other thing that i you know maybe yeah. i could just share is that it's important that you know you remember this intention going forward in your life because I, even if you don't end up in journalism, it, you know, it's this, this um, intention is, is key to adulthood. <laughs> Sorry, is that the right question to put that together? Is, uh, thanks, Mom. That is a really, really good point. <laughs> thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and actually, that is so true. I, I have to agree. You know, at, the, at certain points of, of your career, if, if you ever step into your own, you know, like, like, a corporate newsroom kind of uh, career, you'll you'll find that these things do matter at the end of the day. You know, feel remembering what this was, this moment, and the excitement that you had. Yeah, I, indeed, and and this is something uh, Kevin also tells me a lot. Is like, I really appreciate your motivation and drive, Mithil, but you need to pause a little bit. Like, go slow. Yeah. <laughs> just like, to okay, be sure, I'm... drive and intention are not the same. So I just want to make that clear as well. Okay. Wow. So well said. That that is so wise. Oh yeah. So true. But yeah, I mean it's 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 been fun. I would say it's been it's been a big thing for me. I mean I mean if I think about my last one year, this has to be the, the defining thing. 
I mean, it has taken me so many places. It has made me meet so many people, talk to so many people, and have people share their stories to me. I mean, there have been at times, you know, I've actually like shared a couple of tears because their stories were like so powerful. And I think this is the beauty of being in this line of work, is that you get to be in their story for at least a short bit, but actually experience it. I think that's the best part about like my entire work is that I get to listen to what they feel and actually feel it myself. And that's amazing. I absolutely love that. And listen, uh, this might be a good time to end this episode where we've been talking to Mithil Agarwal. Absolutely fascinating. He's somehow found himself producing and hosting podcasts in Hong Kong uh, by way of industrial engineering, Dean's List, and he was head boy in school. Uh, I couldn't resist putting that <laughs> you in. went through my entire LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want to know where else he's gone. Send uh, my resume. Is it a job opening? <laughs> product designer in Belgium. I mean, I could keep going. But what I loved the most was head boy in school. Uh, okay, listen, thanks. man, you, this was wonderful. Uh, thank you for thank you for the stories and and for all the excitement and drive. Thank you so much for joining us today on Splice Lo-Fi. If you missed this live, you're going to find the recording as an episode in your favorite podcast app or on SpliceMedia.com. You want to hit subscribe as well. And please, if you have suggestions as to who should be on our next episode of Splice Lo-Fi, uh, get in touch. Send us email. We'll catch you next Friday at 11 a.m. Singapore time. Bye, all. Awesome. Bye, Thank you for having me on. It was amazing, guys. This is Splice.